and welcome to Alpha Podflight, the podcast where every episode I'm joined by a different guest to talk about a single issue of the comic Alpha Flight. This week I am joined by Lolly or Louise? Well, Laura. Oh, Laura! <laughs> so neither. Oh, God, I'm so like. It's oh, fine. Or Lolly, yeah. Lolly is. We'll go with that. Okay. Um, <laughs> and we're here to talk about uh, Spider Man. Issue number 75. Um, <laughs> we're talking about Alpha Flight yes. number 38, which yeah. came out in September 1986. Uh, the Five months after I was born, which is exciting for me. That, yeah. yeah, so I was six when this came out. Uh, it was written by Bill Mantlo, David Ross was the penciler, Jerry, I'm going to say Talawak was the inker. Jim Novak was the letterer, Bob Sharon was the colorist, Carl Potts was the editor, and Jim Shooter was the editor-in-chief. So, before I asked you to come on the podcast, so yeah. or we should say how we know each other, maybe. Yeah, which probably, is should we explain wrong. that bit? Um, yeah, so I, um, I work at Shoe Lane Library, um, which is a little library in the city, and basically I run the uh, comic forum, um, and I've been, do you know, I think actually it's been running for about a year, uh, this month. That sounds yeah. yeah. I first came in September, October. Yeah, so you kind of were a latecomer. Yeah, that's fine. Um, but yeah, so um, that's been running for about a year now. It's going really well. Um, and so when you started coming along, um, we kind of got chatting and everything. And then I found out about your amazing podcast. Amazing. Yeah. In- uh, apostrophes <laughs> no no not at all um, and so yeah so I wanted to get involved and so I have read uh, and kind of enjoyed <laughs> <It's all right. laughs> issue 38 so okay yeah and what was your history with Alpha Flight before oh. you agreed to come on the podcast yeah there was zero history I knew nothing about it I've not even well there's a, there, there was a character that I've heard of in here <laughs> right. um um, but as far as the actual main team, I'd never heard about them before. The, okay. f- the first time I heard about them was when you started um, talking, start about, talking them. about that yeah. forum. Um, so yeah, so um, I was quite intrigued to find out a bit more about it. Um, and I actually spoke to one of my friends uh, the other day. He'd heard of them. Yeah. Um, so people have, and it's very exciting. So yeah. Yeah. Um, there's the amount of grey in between people knowing about Alpha Flight mm. and knowing everything about yeah. Alpha Flight is very light. Yeah. It's not a large spectrum. People mm. either know a little bit or they know everything, everything. or they know nothing. Yes. So, yeah, so uh, you're not unusual there. So um, we've said who made it. In, just in terms of, I think this is the first time we've talked about David Ross on the podcast. Right. Who, um, when he was introduced a few issues back from this one, they made a big deal of him being a Canadian working okay. on it so they made yeah. sure that everyone knew that it was a Canadian team I don't know if Bill Mantlo is Canadian I should have found out um, how did they do that then did they just announce it in, in the, the little box where they do the credits they're oh, like right. Canadian David Ross yeah Maple Leaf um, yeah and he he did uh, he did a, a fair run on this and yeah. he designed some of the characters as well so that's why it's worth mentioning him in particular Right, okay. Okay, so could you give a rundown of what happens in the comic? Okay, yes, I'll do my best. Quite a lot happens in this one. This one, I couldn't believe it, it's just... Because I have listened to other podcasts that you've done. Um, I think I listened to one with John Bishop, 
yeah. and he was just like, nothing really happened in no. mine. <laughs> I was like, all of the things happened in this one. Okay. So, um, but for me, because I'd never read anything previously or since, it was kind of like, it was kind of like being invited to a WhatsApp group full of strangers. That right. are at, like in mid conversation. Yeah. And then you're thrown into it and you've got to try and piece together everything that's going on. Um, so, yeah, so I've done my best. Um, and it actually starts with the Submariner. Yep. And it's got this little explanatory box and it's like, no, you haven't bought the wrong comic. We'll get back to Alpha <laughs> Flight soon. And I was like, oh, well, okay, let's go with that then. Uh, just on that, just quickly, because in that box it says, no, you haven't bought a copy of the wrong comic mag by mistake. Alpha Flight will be. The- here in just a few pages thanks to and then it's got ellipses yeah which is followed up five pages later <laughs> yeah. they keep you hanging yeah on that one so yeah and sorry right so so that wasn't Namor the best start for me because i was already slightly um slightly lost yeah slightly lost so basically um what i gathered is the submariner who i had heard of before yeah um he was going back to atlantis to uh rescue his girlfriend who's called Mariner yes right um and um Atlantis has got a new ruler and they don't really like her because she's um an alien um so they're all trying to fight him um and basically he can't overwhelm their forces because he's just on his own yeah and he's got no one to help help him fight so it's him in the end and his friend who I'm not sure what Oh, I want to remember What's what his, his name, name is. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, it's his cousin, who is. Oh, even, what's his bloody I'm not name? Even sure if it's meant. They definitely. He's definitely mentioned by name at one point. Uh, if we see it, Bira. Bira. Oh, okay. Yeah. B Y double A double R. A-H. Yeah. So, so yeah. Submariner and Bira uh, go their separate ways. Submariner says, I'm going to go and get the Avengers to help me. You go and get Alpha Flight, please. Yes. So, you know, we're about um, four or five pages in at this point. Um, so that's a little prologue to that bit. Um, because I gather that um, Mariner is part of the Alpha Flight yes, team. Yes, yeah. she was, yeah. Okay. So that's all happening. Um... And then, then we cut to the Alpha Flight team. Now, I'd love to know what happened in the issue before. I feel like it, it would have ended with one of those classic, oh no, all of our heroes are in dire straits. Very much so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because we've literally come in mid-fight. Um, and we do get a little bit of rundown of exactly where they were left. Yeah. A few pages in from here. Oh no, uh, it's, uh, what's his face? Shaman says, yes. gives... Sorry, you do this. Yeah. So, um, have you have you had have you done the issue before? Have you had no, we something? haven't. Okay. Um, so basically, um, Shaman's daughter, Talisman. Yep. Um, she's um, tricked Snowbird and amazing character name alert, Doug Thompson. <laughs> <laughs> she tricked them into giving birth into. Um, at a place where there was evil spirits. So basically, yeah. when Snowbird's baby came out, it then bound with this kind of weird... It was possessed by pestilence. Yeah. Yeah. It looks a bit like kind of Jack Sparrow, or is this like a strange sailor pirate 
type dude. Yes, in the ep- in the issue before this, we get a uh, long history of who he is, uh, and basically, he was an arrogant sailor. Yeah. Who they got uh, up north, his ship got stuck in ice, and he decided to lead his crew across the wastes to safety. Okay. About halfway, he realised that he'd never make it, so took a potion which would make it look like he was dead. Oh. So, and then his plan was just to lie in the snow until everyone had walked off and then come back to life and sort of go his own way and save himself. But he just got frozen in the snow? No, they buried him. Oh, They were oh, like, well. we love our captain so much, we'll give him a proper burial. <laughs> and then he was stuck in, sort of, he was frozen in the ice, sentient, hating the living, until Alpha Flight turned up and gave him a baby's life force. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, Pestilence isn't the nicest guy. He's kind of angry. Um, he's a big fan of death and decay. Yeah. That's kind of what big he embodies. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's his. That's his thing. That's his bag. <laughs> um, so so basically, the baby has been imbued in Pestilence, um, and so now he's managed to. Um, so Vindicator is currently fighting a massive swarm of flies, yep. which she can't see through. Um, North Star yep. is um, stuck in tar. Yeah. Um, his sister Aurora. Aurora uh, is <laughs> is covered in maggots. Yes. Which is a nice one. Um, <laughs> and Puck has not been seen. He's disappeared under the sea. Puck's under gone the under ice. the ice. Yeah. Oh, and Box is rusted up. <laughs> yeah, um, and Box is a bit rusty right now, so yeah. he's not doing much either. Um, so basically, Shaman is thinking, oh God, this is all my fault. because. Oh, and also, sorry, Shaman has been prematurely aged. Yes. So, yeah, I didn't know what he looked like before, so I just kind of thought that's what he looked like. But yeah, at some point it does say, yeah. oh, he's been made really old. Um, so Talisman, because she um, hates her dad for making her wear the tiara which imbued her with the talisman powers um, she she tricked oh no what is it no that's right so um, Shaman tells a little backstory about what's happened um, Snowbird got pregnant off of Doug Thompson yeah, who is Doug. a fellow Mountie uh, we'll not go too far so <laughs> she was pregnant her baby was causing her to so she became full term within two weeks. Oh, when she was shape shifting. Yes. Wasn't she? Yeah. So she couldn't control the yeah. shape shifting because of her true fires kept on escaping. Yeah. And then Shaman enlisted Doctor Strange to find a place of power to uh, link the spirit, like the baby to spiritually. And then Talisman tricked them into going to a place of evil so that she could prove that she was better than everybody else at magic. Brilliant. Well done. Yes. Um, so then, so because Shaman's feeling like it's all his fault, um, the tiara has come off Talisman mm-hmm. and he's thinking, if I put it on, I could possibly, would I be able to save the child? Yep whilst vanquishing the demon um, but also putting all mankind at risk so I'm not sure what power this tiara has but it seems to be quite scary because he it separates you from humanity right so uh, I can't remember why it is a risk to mankind but it's definitely a risk to him yeah 
So he's reaching for the tiara and it's all very like, oh, is he going to take it? Is he not? Um, <clears throat> all the while Pestilence is, is still trying to strangle Talisman. Yep. Um, and then, so because everyone's kind of stuck, uh, Vindicator um, then has a word with herself. She's like, right, I'm going to use my suit um, and I'm going to get out of this tunnel of flies. Yeah. Um, and so she kind of breaks free. But as she's flying towards Pestilence to give him a smack, he kind of turns into her ex-husband. Dead husband. Dead husband, sorry. Yeah. Um, who it appears that she may or may not have killed. <laughs> she blames herself for his death. For his death, right. So that shocks her a little bit. Yeah. Um, but she, she still gives him a smack. Now, this bit... I have to say was my favourite bit of the comic <laughs> okay. is that you kind of get this running inner monologue of what um, she's thinking about <laughs> yeah she's doing it <laughs> yeah. yeah so she's busy punching him but meanwhile takes the time to think say cutting loose a pestilence felt pretty good did his looking like Mac have anything to do with it now that question's definite heavy in the psychoanalytical department I'd take yeah. it up with my shrink if I had one <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like wow okay right there's interesting thought of the day while you're just busy yeah. kind of beating up Heather does that a lot yeah. she's doing one simple thing while having a very complicated yeah. thought which explains a lot of things at the same time yeah I mean th- I yeah. mean, this is definitely part of the style of the comic which uh, made it feel very kind of dated yeah um, I did, don't think you would find that um, in modern day comics um, but still it, it was quite handy for me yes <laughs> Having, being a newcomer um, so she gives a smack and it doesn't really do anything and she thinks oh god um, we're not powerful enough to defeat him um, so they basically then have to kind of work together to free the rest of the um, heroes so that they can all um, try and overthrow him so at this point Puck, yay, he reappears um, because <laughs> uh, he blames his ability to be able to hold his breath underwater um, to yoga. Yep. Um, so, so that's handy that he's been doing some yoga on the side. Um, and Pestilence has kind of rotted the ice beneath him, so he can break through the ice, he grabs him, and he sucks him down into the water. Um, and they kind of think, oh, yay, maybe that's, maybe that's done it, that's the end of him. Gives them a bit of time to, to save everyone, so they... They pull out North Star. Um, they get the maggots off Aurora, yeah. um, and they vibrate box a bit so that all the rust comes off. So happy days. I'm not aware of that being a treatment for rust. No, but you but, know, um, yeah. I don't know about many flying people either. So I think true. <laughs> so then um, it all comes down to this um, tiara again. Um, Talisman's got it back. Um, but Shaman's still saying, you know, I, sh- I should put it on and, and save everybody because Pestilence is probably going to come back again. Yeah. So then, um, another highlight of mine, um, the baby then appears just floating in the sky, a bit like the Nirvana album cover. <laughs> He's just having a little swim in the, in the air. Um, and Snowbird um, obviously thinks, oh, my baby is free. Pestilence has died. And the, the baby's come out. But actually, it's just a massive trick. Um, and he's doing what he did before when he turned into Mac. Um, yeah. So Snowbird, can I swear? Yes. Yeah, so she basically loses her shit. She, t- <laughs> <laughs> she turns into um, the Sasquatch. Yeah. I'm not sure if there's a history of the Sasquatch character. There's a they long to... history right, of the Sasquatch okay. character, yeah. Um, so she turns into the Sasquatch. And um, 
she kind of faces off with pestilence, but then he summons like this massive army of massive dead spirits. Yeah. Um, and so there's just hordes of them basically, and um, so um, he he summons the uh, what are they call the great beasts. Yeah. All of it. them. Every <laughs> single one. Yeah. 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 Um, they're an ugly bunch, but. So these are uh, Alpha Flight's main antagonists. Oh, okay. So for right. the first 30 issues or so, they were fighting different incarnations of these in between fighting yeah. normal baddies. Yeah. So, yeah. But now they've all turned up. Yeah, because it does so. mention, oh dear, when they appeared, when they appeared <laughs> last time. Did someone say, oh dear? <laughs> no, I don't put that Okay. <laughs> that would be a good, like, subplot. Um so they say, oh, last time they faced off, they only just beat them. Yeah. Kind of um, so at that point, everyone's gearing up. They're about to go full in um, fight. But then um, the shaman puts on the tiara, yes. becoming talisman. Uh, and he, uh, Pestilence says, oh, you can't, you can't defeat me. I'm not um, a spirit. Ha, ha, ha. Um, but then talisman says, well, actually, all of your cronies are all the beasts are so he um he kind of banishes them yeah and they're just left with um pestilence then so then um sasquatch is still around the snowbird so um she gras at him um takes a swipe um and then he turns again back into the baby and is begging for his life saying mommy no please yeah um and so uh, that kind of makes us stop. Yeah. So what's hap- so it's got a lot of exposition yes. around Sasquatch. Yeah. But when Snowbird turns into an animal, she doesn't think like a human anymore. She so is it kind like of like a bit hulkish? Yeah. So kind of loses. In this, she has turned to, into Sasquatch, so would be thinking like a Sasquatch. But Shaman is controlling her right. because she's a spirit now. Um, so it's Shaman's decision about how this fight goes. Yeah. Uh, and then he has a little, should I kill the baby and just put a full stop to all of this? Yeah. Or shall I hold off? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so basically, uh, they hold off. Um, and Pestilence is sucked in back into the earth. Yeah. Um, and it says... At his command, the earth that held pestilence for a century and a half yawns wide to receive him again. Yeah. He so disappears then, underground. Yeah, and this is quite this this bit was quite emotional because obviously the the ground is then swallowed up um, after pestilence, but the baby's still within pestilence. Yeah. And so Snowbird, still a Sasquatch, is digging, trying to like get to the baby, um, and then she starts turning back into Snowbird. And she's like, oh, Douglas, our baby. And he says, we'll find him somehow, I swear. Yeah. Um, so there's a nice little moment there. Um, and then... Oh, so actually, yeah, Shaman has gone back to being young there, hasn't he? Yes. I didn't Some, notice. Yeah, in, they don't actually make it clear that that's what's happened, but he's gone back to being young again. Yeah. Um, so then they kind of decide that they'll just have to wait to see if Pestilence reappears. <laughs> yes. Um, rather than try and chase him, um, because they're kind of pretty sure that he will turn up um, at some point. 
Uh, and then there's a nice little um, caption that says, It's never silent on this Arctic plain, for the northern winds ever whisper of death. <laughs> um, and then we kind of cut back to um, Alpha Flight headquarters, which look lovely. They live in a nice little mansion. Yeah. Um, and out of the water um, appears Bira. Bira. Yep. Yeah. Um, so he's just arrived from Atlantis, um, and obviously he's going to be in the next issue, I would imagine, trying to get on board to help with the Submariner's issue. Um, and it says, uh, and some hours later on the shores of Tamarind Island, uh, a figure surfaces as if to prove the old adage that there's no rest for the weary. Yeah. Sets it up nicely for the next next episode. So yes. a lot happened. <laughs> Quite a lot happened, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was a good fight um, with lots of different layers Lots going on. of drama. Yeah. Uh, lots of interpersonal drama. There's so many characters in it as well. Yeah. That um, some of them get edged out a little bit. Mm. So um, Box, Aurora, and Northstar don't really. No, have they a don't lot really do anything. Do. No. Um, I then so I did read the letters at the end. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I haven't. I don't always read the letters. Yeah. No, because I I quite liked this as kind of a window back into the 80s. Yeah. And so I really kind of wanted to see what what people were talking about at the time. Um, about about Alpha Flight and everything, um, and people didn't seem to be a big fan of North Star. No. Um, I get the feeling he's meant to be quite an arrogant kind of yeah. character. Yeah. And they were like, either change him or get rid of him. <laughs> <laughs> um, but one of the things I really liked is um, obviously previously in the series, um, so Puck is kind of um, a dwarf yep. character, um, and in one of the letters, um, someone was saying that they had a, a, an additional about his origins yeah. um, and they were really disappointed that he wasn't basically just suffering with dwarfism yeah. they were disappointed that they tried to explain that he was magically short Yes. and I thought that was really kind of nice that it someone is. was actually want, like they wanted other people represented and that it seemed a bit of a cop out that he'd been magically shrunken <laughs> it is, it's a, it's a yeah. terrible cop out yeah exactly um, um, and when I first read it, I was like, that's crazy, wow. And then I thought about it, I was like, that's really bad. Yeah. <laughs> They've taken the one superhero yeah. who is a little person yeah. and then given him a supernatural reason exactly. to have an affliction. Yeah. yeah. But it, it was kind of heartening that someone had written yeah. in to mention it and like talk about that kind of thing because, um, I don't know, I think it's easy to think that we've come on leaps and bounds um, from just a few decades ago with kind of like representation and everything. But actually, it's always kind of... The, the need for it and interest in it has always kind of been there. Yeah. It's just that now it kind of gets listened to a bit more. Yeah, and when it was created by John Byrne, he was very keen on making it, uh, including that sort of representation. Yeah. Um, so North Star as a character is gay, but they never actually mention it explicitly until 1992. Oh, okay. Um, and does, yeah. Um, but so John Byrne, when he created it, said. There are gay people in the world. There are people with mental illness in the world. Yeah. There are little people in the world. Um, there should be superheroes of those people as well. Mm. So and just made them, and then just treated them as normal characters who like have their own struggles, but they don't make a big thing of it. And also, um, so Vindicator. Yes. Uh, I get the impression that her um, husband, the dead husband, he was. Um, 
he wore the suit before her. He was the former leader of Alpha. Yeah. Yeah. So now they've got a female leader as well. Yeah. So that's all good. Um, and I think that's mentioned in the letters page as well. Um, yeah, where Alpha flight fans, when they write in, they do fall into two categories. One, they're genuinely lovely people and their opinions are nice to see. Yeah. And then you just get proper horrible people complaining about <laughs> North Star. Um, yeah. There's one that like gives lists all these demands. He's like, you should do this, <laughs> you should do that. Um, and then he brought up a problem that they had in one of the storylines. And he's like, don't worry, I've fixed it for you. Um, just do this and yeah. then you'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, all oh, right, okay. Um, yeah, you've got some good ideas about it. <laughs> um, so yeah, so that is issue 38. Yeah. Um, as I say, it was, it was a bit tricky to get my head around initially. I did read it a couple of times um, just to figure out what was going on. Yeah, I sort of appreciate that this is kind of a hard one to be a first issue because yeah. it doesn't explain who anybody is. Sometimes no. it explains what's happened to them, but not why they're there. Well, yeah, but luckily with Vindicator's interesting inner monologue yeah. <laughs> for, for quite a lot of it, you kind of do pick up on some bits of it. Um, I actually quite enjoyed it as a first issue because there was so much going on that you could kind of read it a couple of times and pick out different bits. And yeah. it kind of makes you appreciate the layers of everything that's gone before. Yeah. I think the the first one I read that wasn't by John Byrne was the one immediately preceding this one. And then yeah. I read this one. And that and this is this this is the story I think that made me want to chase down the rest of all the Alpha Flight comics. Yeah. Um, I did see that. Because there was just something about it which I really appreciated. Mm. So yeah. Um was there anything in particular that you really liked about it? Um I did enjoy the adverts. <laughs> Again, it's like just looking at it as a kind of. And you've mentioned this before, so one in particular. Yeah, yeah. So anyone that follows me on Twitter, which is a grand total of twelve people, I think. Is that all? <laughs> I think I've got about eighty, and I'm proud of that. Yeah. Um, I did post a picture of this particular advert um, on my feed. Sorry, my is that that my is that all? It wasn't like you've got a rubbish Twitter. It was like sorry. <laughs> You're just surprised because I'm so entertaining. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, so if you have a look at my Twitter, um, which um, will be in the um, description of this podcast, so yeah. so give me a follow if you want. Um, <laughs> there is a an advert for um, some kind of chocolate chew, which uh, must have been popular in Canada, called Bonkers, and the tagline is "Everyone's bonked out by new chewy chocolate bonkers." And there's a picture of three people who look either orgasmic or just really really high, um, and it's just a little bit uncomfortable. Um, so that made me laugh because I was just like, "There's no way that you could." <laughs> A chocolate chew called bonkers anyway. I think they've been hit by a huge block of chocolate. Oh. I think the picture is them lying on their fronts. Like, they're this enjoying is so that crazy. And they're enjoying being crushed by the chocolate. Yeah. I just thought that they'd, they'd eaten one of the chews and it was just so good that they've kind of lost their minds a bit. Out. They've yeah. got very rosy cheeks. Their eyes are kind of rolling back in their head. I mean, it's just, it's, it's a wonderful picture. <laughs> so, and I can't uh, tell if it's grandparents and their grandchild. I know, or yeah. There's definitely an old man. Unless maybe there's three generations there. It could old be, man, yeah. Mum and, and son. That, I think. The old man looks like a bit like John Lithgow. 
If they um, if they made a movie of the Bonkers advert, then John Lithgow would, yeah. would have to play the granddad. I mean, I think I think it needs to be done really, and maybe they could use the um, the monolith as the chocolate slab. <laughs> <laughs> Reborn. Um, so it was just kind of like these little snippets of kind of 80s um, culture that I really really enjoyed. Yeah. Um, just as an aside from the comic, and there's also the um, there was this page that was full of kind of things that you could buy from a catalogue. Um, yeah. Prizes or cash, something, and just like the prizes that you could get made me kind of quite nostalgic. You could get a, a Garfield telephone, uh, which was really nice. Um, you could get like a really retro BMX. Um, you could have a jumping Jiminy trampoline. I mean, life was good in Canada back then. I, because um, on the episode where um, Amy, my wife, and I, we talked about this, and what it looks like is Avon for kids. <laughs> yes. So they send you a catalogue, yeah. and then you show it to all your mates, and they buy stuff from you via the catalogue. And then you win prizes for selling stuff. Wow, it really is, isn't it? Like I think that's fair. how it works. Because it says almost everyone will want to buy one or more items when you show them the sales album. I mean, how could they resist, really? And then you take one dollar cash profit for each item sold. Yes, and my my favourite aspect is that they've then tried to um, suggest that all like the telephone handlers are kind of superheroes. So the little picture of. Penny in the corner there. She's got her headset on. Um, and are we l- we looking at different ones? Oh yeah, we are. <laughs> there's more than one. There's more yeah, than you, one. You need to find Penny. Oh, there we the are. Page. Yeah, there she is in the corner. So it's um, the same scam from two different companies in the same. So my, well, I was looking at Sales Leadership Club. That is how short the attention span of a, an <laughs> 80s child was because they were just bonked out on bonkers. Yeah. So, um, and then it says, ask for Penny, she or another Captain O operator is waiting to rush your name, address and zip code to us. Just sounds so exciting, the whole thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I really enjoyed all of that. Um, but what it kind of got me thinking about um, in terms of audience and yeah. like, because this to me, with all the kind of... Um, explaining what was going on whilst it's happening mm. it just seemed really kind of young and all the adverts are obviously aimed at children yeah and i just kind of think i don't know if i feel like comics have kind of grown up mm-hmm. and i don't know whether it's because the mass market that they're aimed at is now older yeah um and if so is the mass market just going to keep getting older like I wonder if well if looking at things like prices so this was 40 pence in 1986 so say it was 60 pence in 1989 something like that yeah means with, with my pocket money I could go and buy a comic maybe two comics a week yeah whereas now a Marvel comic is five pounds and it's yeah. really difficult for, to like have a young audience. This is what I think: a young audience, and also because you only really sell them through comic shops now. That's true. Yeah. So the audience of people who go to comic shops to buy comics monthly are a lot older. It's like yeah. 2000 AD. They they're basically selling to 40 year old men rather yeah. than kids now. Yeah. So and I think that's where that change in demographic comes from. 
Having said that, although, although all the adverts are for like kids, the actual story is pretty pretty grim. Yeah, yeah, and there's there's a lot of different layers on it. I mean, uh, like for example, when she's trying to dig through the snow, just like that desperation to try and get to her child, like that's actually a pretty yeah. awful feeling. Um, that the moral kind of ta- question of would you kill a baby? Yeah. Oh yeah. And yeah. fighting like demons and. Um, so you can, I suppose it works on quite a few levels, which is probably why it was quite successful at the time, because, you know, as a child, you can read it and think, oh, big monsters and, and people flying around and, and that's really cool. Um, but actually, there's a lot more to it when you kind of read. Yeah. And it's partly down to the writer, Bill Mantlo, um, within the Alpha Flight fandom, um, he's considered as his run being more of a run of horror stories than oh. superhero stories yeah um, because you've just got those tropes so having something ancient come out of the ice yeah. and be all obsessed with death is quite kind of a horror trope yeah yeah um, and then you've got all these ancient maggots and flies and yeah it's yeah that someone horrible. being consumed by maggots is pretty grim yeah um, like that 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 image kind of stuck with me um, and the kind of flesh-eating worms caterpillar worm yeah, things it, it was yeah. Just, it, it's not really pleasant and the, the whole idea of the pirate coming out of the ground and everything I mean I think I probably would have been he slightly... is a scary baddie pestilence yeah. uh, and also that he's pretty much unstoppable yeah um, so does he keep coming back no they catch him later yeah and they put an end to him, but with tragic consequences. Oh. Yeah. No spoilers there. No. So, um, yeah. So it is a weirdly grown-up kids' comic. So nothing mature happens in it. No. It's at the same time, it's sort of a grown-up comic. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely kind of something for everyone in that. Yeah. And I, I mean, Shaman has been through a lot, and I keep making jokes about Shaman. His main character trait is getting things catastrophically wrong constantly. <laughs> um, and this comic is him sort of dealing with that in a way. So prior to this, so this uh, in this, he's his costume is like uh, a black. It's black because he's got furry arm things and it's different to his normal costume which is like right. a green onesie. And it's because... Good choice, strong choice. Yeah, then. he realised that, he sort of realised that everything that he did just went wrong. Because at one point he almost... His uh, power, he used to have like a magic mystical pouch and he used to like pull things out of it. Yeah. Uh, and then it turned inside out and almost swallowed Liz. <laughs> Okay. So that's why she hates him. So he got rid of that and then went on a spirit journey and learned that he was magic without falling back on the pouch. Okay. So is the black kind of he's kind of in mourning for his own common sense. Kind of, yeah. Right. And like he's a he's he's not really a superhero anymore. He's sort of a he's like one step above that or to the side of it. Right. So he's not as fussed now with like superhero. Yeah. I mean, superheroics. I mean that you've got that whole other strand in this issue as well where he's dealing with all of his um, decisions up till now have kind of created talisman and, and created this situation. Yeah. Um and so in fact even in this page here on page 7 he's saying the fault is all mine. 
Yeah. Because um, this is all linked up to shame. So even Snowbird, he he was kind of her midwife. Yeah. Yeah. And also her father. So her parents were gods. So he brought her up as a person. Right. Um, so it's kind of like his grandchild. Yeah. Uh, and then okay. also his daughter trying to, yeah, it's it's messed up, basically. Um, so yeah. It's kind of. It could be called shaman's shaman's mistake. <laughs> yeah. What is Featuring it called? Alpha Flight. <laughs> well, Alpha Flight could be called shaman's mistake. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, it's just called pestilence. Okay. So uh, yeah, the other thing that I quite like about it is that it feels like two comics smashed together yeah so there's in in terms of the bit with alpha flight in you could spread the action out a bit and then uh, leave it on a cliffhanger when pestilence falls in the water yeah and then they regroup and have another fight with him and that could have been another comic yeah yeah definitely and then you could have interspersed the whole Namor subplot mm. into both of those which is sort of like how you would normally structure a comic in those times yes you wouldn't this Namor subplot wouldn't just be the first five pages of the comic it, it was interesting like I'm not um, I don't tend to read just single issues but yeah I, it, it did seem to be an interesting uh, kind of technique that they use there to the point where they actually have to explain it to their audience yeah. like this is what we're doing um so I don't know whether there was a particular reason why they, perhaps because there was so much going on, they didn't want to keep flitting back. Yeah, um, so at this point, Bill Mantlow's taken over, he's getting used to the comic, and he's shaping it into the alpha flight that he wants to write. Yeah. Um, and so that means that he's got to tie off as many plots as possible, as quickly and definitely as possible. Yeah. So one of them is that Marina is an alien who keeps turning bad but she fell in love with Namor Namor married her there was a civil war to get rid of him because he was a rubbish king of Atlantis um, and so that's one thing that Bill Mantlo is just trying to like let's just get them out we don't want them to be part of Alpha Flight anymore let's just finish it off so so the Submariner is yeah. he part of Alpha Flight? No, but Marina was. Right. So Namor is like the oldest Marvel superhero, I yeah. think. Um, I, but, I've heard of him, but I, I didn't know. Yeah, he's really half human, half Atlantean, and a mutant. And he is like super fast, super strong. He also has excellent eyebrows. Excellent eyebrows. <laughs> I mean, only wears pants ever. <laughs> yeah. And he's got wings on his feet. I don't know how they're useful underwater, but that's what he's got. Uh, and he's oh, yeah. really, really arrogant. So that's his main thing. He's not a goodie or a baddie. He's just really arrogant, whichever yeah. way he falls at the time. Yeah, I mean, that was... I picked up on that simply because he was literally trying to take on a whole nation on his own. <laughs> yeah. Um, and because and Bira in, in previous issues had said, Atlantis is going downhill. Yeah. We need to save them. And they've got Matt Marina. So he went, right, I'll go and save Marina. And then Bira's like, are you going to save everybody else? He's like, no, screw him. No. <laughs> I don't want to. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, and then in the following issues, 
the Avengers and Namor and Elflight team up. Right, okay. Yeah, okay. Um, well, that explains... I think possibly then this issue kind of is a product of the changes that were going on in terms of the creative team. I think so. And then, yeah, so this is him closing off the storylines of Talisman and Shaman as well. Yeah. So not long after this, they just, they leave. Talisman, because without the uh, headpiece, Talisman hasn't got any powers anyway. So she just goes She's, back to being an archaeologist. What's her name? Something Two Young Men. Uh, Elizabeth Two Young Men. That's it, yeah. Yeah. So she just goes back to being an art student archaeologist. Yeah. Um, I mean, from what you say about Shaman and his decision-making yeah. abilities, it's probably for the best, really. They just yeah. go away. <laughs> and then by, what issue is this? 38. So in a year's time... Alpha Flight, as it exists in this comic, doesn't exist anymore. So Heather's still in it. Right. Uh, but everybody else is different. Wow, okay. So So it was the beginning of a big period of change. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, as a standalone issue, I quite enjoyed it. Was there anything that you didn't like very much? Um, the... The way it was written did jar with me sometimes. The, the very kind of it did seem quite dated. Yeah. Um, yeah. So as I said before, not all, all the characters get a lot to do, and um, when they do, it's just for exposition. Yeah. It, yeah. It's, it's literally just kind of narrative points that they do certain things. Um, and I think initially, just the, the sheer amount of stuff that was going on, I couldn't really get my head around. Yeah. Um, so I did have to read it a couple of times. It kind of just felt like I'd opened up a box of crickets or something. Everything was <laughs> jumping around, and I was like, oh, I don't know what's happening. Um, but once I kind of got my head around it, um, I enjoyed it a bit more. Yeah. I have noticed that your copy's got the same printing problems as mine have. As mine has. Yeah, some of it is very faded. Yeah, and uh, not all the lettering has made. Yours it is a bit in. better than mine, actually. But um. Uh, yeah, but so that, yeah, that's a bit of a shame. But again, that's part of the time. I think yeah, we won't go into printing processes of the 1980s. Yeah, and and but just like kind of, I I actually quite enjoyed the the artwork in it as well. Um, yeah. Because I'm. I'm really shallow, basically, with the comics I like to read. Um, I like really bright, vibrant, um, bold kind of um, artwork. And so kind of older comics that tend to be this kind of faded palette, um, um, kind of a bit more intricate, I've never really found myself being drawn to, and as a result, Mm. I kind of find it a bit harder to read. Yeah. Um, So it's been an interesting experience for me to to, um, kind of invest time in something that kind of looks like this. And actually, um, it has kind of made me appreciate um, the way it's done um, a bit more. So it's kind of been good for me in terms of breaking down my shallow assumptions <laughs> of everything that I read. Um, I'll tell you what, though. David Ross mm. must have felt like the luckiest artist in the world because the two locations this is set in is underwater where there's yep. no backgrounds. Lots of blue, yeah. And the Arctic tundra, where Lots there's no backgrounds. <laughs> he must have been like, can we set the next four or five issues yeah. up north? Yeah. Uh, yeah or just in the sky. <laughs> yeah. He only has to draw anything that's not sand or rock. Like, so he spent, obviously spent quite a lot of time redrawing Tamarind Island. Yeah. 
Um, I mean, there's the odd occasion where, you know, for example, where the beasts are all there, or yeah. where they've got to show the whole group. But other than that, he's basically got one character or a couple of characters, and then just a lot of blue yeah. uh, in the background. So, yeah, he kind of struck it lucky with this one. Uh, yeah. So, what else was there? Oh, there's a bit. So Heather, when she goes and punches Pestilence, pretending yes. to be Mac. Yeah. She part of her thought cloud is about she's been finding out that he wasn't as good as she thought he was. So mm. as a wife, she sort of worshipped him as a hero. She thought he was excellent. Yeah. And they got married when uh, she was a teenager and he was thirty. Was she a, a superhero? Or no. just a normal... Right. She was just his wife. And yeah. then once he died, um, Puck suggested that she become the leader. Uh, and there's, there's a whole dramas around that. Was it suggested that he suge- he said that she should be the leader because he thought she would fail? No. Or? So he thought that she... Be, she He thought that she should be the leader. But also he... Nobody thought that she should have superpowers. Right. So she should sort of be an administrative leader rather than someone flying around in a suit. So the suit imbues her with power. Yes. And that's it. Yeah. I see. But, but yeah, so a lot of her her character arc throughout is her proving that she is worthy of being the leader. Yeah. uh, Which she always does. Um, she later on she has goes through the same moral quandaries that Shaman does like is it okay to kill people if it means saving her team yes uh, yeah and what's it because they're supposed to be Canada's superhero team but very rarely do they worry about the fate of Canada it's always about the fate of one of them right so <laughs> yeah okay that's a nice outward looking view of like worried about their nation yeah well none of the none of the baddies here are threatening Canada no in any way shape or form well you wouldn't would you <laughs> no you wouldn't so want lovely. to no <laughs> so okay that's interesting because so how did she lead to her husband's death then or is that a very oh, long story oh uh, is um, he was in a big fight he had just won the fight and and, but he'd won the fight by breaking his suit and as he was trying to fix his suit she walked in at the wrong moment and he blew himself up so she oh she blames herself for him yeah. blowing himself up okay but yeah there's obviously this kind of shift in her mentality at this point because um, as I mentioned she's like oh actually giving him a smack felt quite good yeah. so there's obviously been some um, pent up anger towards him um, whether he just kind of I don't know but maybe he just kind of overlooked her during well, his superhero years no it wasn't that it's that she keeps finding out that he was involved in non-heroic stuff so she thinks that he was one of the scientists responsible for Wolverine getting laced oh. with adamantium against his will wow okay so um, and that's what she found out in blah, blah, blah. Uh, the one that we did with John where nothing much happens but yeah. it tells a little bit of story about Wolverine. Right. And that's where she starts to doubt whether or not Mac was the man she thought he was. I see. 
Uh, and then at another point, yeah, so later on she finds out that he was involved in even worse stuff. Yeah. Which is a shame because Max's appeal as a character was that he was the Canadian Captain America and sort Squeaky of beyond reproach. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Um, and, th- and this, I think, is probably the, it's kind of a, a seminal moment where it shows that she's kind of become more than his wife yeah. or, you know, his widower. Um, that's right. So symbolically, she's... Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah, that's right. She's kind of breaking free from that trope um, and is like, actually, I'm the leader now. So she's got the suit. She's in charge. Yeah. Um, and, oh, Puck. So on Puck, mm. what is quite nice about this is that he is the one that saves the day for once. He does. So she gives him a... She gives Pestilence a punch in the face, but he's the one that drags them under the ice and yep. allows them time to regroup. Yeah. Uh, and it's what's quite nice is it's through the same... So where he's learned his yoga from that old Hindu Dr. Shravinda, yep. <laughs> whoever that is. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Puck is uh, a very old man by this point, but he's led an interesting life. He's travelled through Asia learning stuff. Yeah. And the pain that he experiences as a dwarf, he does through, through meditation and self-reflection. So it's the same uh, abilities that he uses in his day-to-day life yeah. which beat pestilence, which is quite nice. That is nice, actually, isn't it? Because um... normally he gets beaten up. Okay, yeah, so I didn't know how his character kind of ma- manifested in previous um, editions or anything, whether it was kind of similar to this, but, yeah, he's definitely kind of... He's the pivotal moment in terms of being able to regroup, getting everyone together, and then they can kind of form a joint attack on pestilence. Yeah. So he is kind of the turning point in this one. Yeah. Um, even though he's been frozen under the sea previous to that. Yeah. And Puck is sort of the central Alpha Flight character as well. He's probably the only one, other than maybe Box, who wants to be there. He doesn't feel like he has to be there. So Why Heather do the feel- others feel like they have to be there? So um, Heather feels like she has to be because it's Max legacy that yeah. she's been handed. Um, Shaman feels like he has to be because he's done all this stuff in the past that's wrong. So he's just self, like right. He's just tilted into it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Liz is not in Alpha Flight because she's a she was the baddie basically. She caused all this. Um, Aurora has left Alpha Flight because her dream is to settle down with Doug Thompson and live in a cabin in the woods. That's Snowbird, isn't it? Snowbird. I yeah. said Aurora, didn't I? Yeah. Oh God. I thought, oh, that's a twist. I need to I get some sort of. I need to get some sort of siren. <laughs> um, I do it all the time. Yeah. So Snowbird, sorry, she wants to move off with Doug Thompson. Um, Aurora, Northside doesn't want to be there. He's been roped in against his will. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so Box is willing to be an Alpha Flight because uh, uh, Box, at this stage. Um, is Roger Box, so he's a paraplegic. Ooh, uh, oh, right, okay. Um, so being in Alpha Flight is his chance to sort of prove himself. Yeah. Okay, so he wants to be. He there. wants to be part yeah. of the team, Involved. and and Puck wants to be. Yeah, he. So he's the linchpin really around what the, the team revolves around at this point. So he's kind of the heart. Yeah. Of the team. In a way. Yeah. Um, also, so am I right in that Aurora and North Star, brother and sister? They're twins. Yeah. But uh, Aurora seems to speak with a French accent. 
is it over? Have we won? <laughs> yeah. So they're both French Canadian. Yeah, because I guess okay, that's that's good. They're yeah. kind of representing the French side. But yes. I I didn't get that impression from him. Um, no. So uh, Aurora's ha- Aurora has had multiple personality disorder. Right. So she, uh, when I mentioned earlier about mental illnesses being yeah. represented, she, uh, um, so and she had a split personality of Aurora, who was strong, uh, like strong-willed yeah. character who did what she wanted. She was out to have fun, mm. and she had superpowers. Yeah. And Jean Marie, who was uh, a very strict Catholic school teacher, who disapproved of, who was very conservative, and disapproved of. Super superheroes generally. Yeah. And so her accent is a way for the writer to show which of her personalities is predominant at oh, the time. Right. Yeah. Okay. So when she speaks, so Jean Marie doesn't speak English, and when she does, she's got a very strong, strong accent. accent. But at some point, and I can't remember when, Aurora changes gets altered via a comics process and her powers change and so her personalities aren't as distinct from each other anymore right so at this point i think and any listeners who know better than me please correct me at this point she's sort of halfway between the two yeah which is why she is aurora with a silly accent okay so she's kind of morphing yeah Right, that explains that. But yeah, she has got a silly accent. Yeah. Yeah. And I have to say, overall, I was I was pleasantly surprised by this comic, um, and I think it is because the characters are very interesting. I just I think I just kind of I had this impression about um, comics in the past being very just kind of working with stereotypes so yeah. you've got um, you know the muscly men and the kind of big busty but kind of vacuous women um, whereas this one the characters I mean they've had a lot of time to be developed and so they ha- they do have a lot of layers and so I think that, that did kind of uh, that was a pleasant surprise for me mm. um, and I really kind of appreciated that aspect of it actually um, so yeah, so it, it was definitely a pleasant surprise. Yeah, um, and it's one of the things that Alpha Flight often does well. Sometimes it just gets it wrong, but um, yeah, At least the it most tries. it really tries. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, and one thing. So I really like that Colomac is back. So we can see from the cover that's Colomac there. Who's my right. favourite so of the Great Beasts? I wasn't sure because the Sasquatch is actually a different colour. Yeah, that's front. worth mentioning. So on the cover we have there's a lot going on, but the main part is Sasquatch about to face off against Colomac. Yeah. And Sasquatch is coloured in orange because that is the by this point in the comics, Sasquatch as a character is dead. Right. But before he was, that's what he looked like. Oh, okay. So, yeah, and there's a long, long reason why Snowbird Sasquatch Snowbird can turn into Sasquatch and white white. Okay. But yeah, so so that's it's odd kind that they've put him. 
it must be a design decision. To, so to have a white Possibly, baddie yeah, against a white baddie a, would be boring. Yeah, it's got a contrast with that one. Yeah. But also, if that's been a whole other character, you would think they would. Yeah, so the character represented on the cover here is not in the comic. Yeah. It, it, it is a very uh, interesting cover, actually, because you've got, I mean, you've got all the beasts, which in the actual comic, I suppose they're only actually there for about two pages. <laughs> they don't get a um, lot of action now. Yeah, and you've got Pestilence in the corner having a great time. He looks like he's going to a disco or something. Yeah. Um, and then you've got North Star on the ground, and you've actually got um, the Shaman reaching out for the tiara. So yeah, it's there's a lot quite a lot in. There. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and of course, when I picked it up, I was just like, whoa. Yeah. So and many it is, things. A, it is actually a nice cover. There's a lot going on. Um, yeah, and the composition is quite nice as well, the way it's weighted. Yeah. But yeah, so right. I do think it's interesting how briefly the beasts are there. Um, <laughs> I mean, I don't know whether it's just to kind of, it's just to show you that he can he can summon them at will if he wants to. Um, and then, it, you know, that has repercussions later on. And they don't do anything interesting either. No, they So they, they loom menacing. in the background, yeah. they get punched, and then they... Then they get a bit scared and go That's away. That's it. Basically. Yeah. Uh, which, yeah, is a shame. But at the same time, is if they'd done more, they, I suppose if you were to turn, as I said before, this comic into two comics, then you could have a longer battle. Yeah. Where they did more interesting things. So like this, I can't remember his name, but this blobby one with the mouth, who looks a bit like Krang. He does. That's exactly what I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> um, he doesn't do anything. He just sh- he just has that shouty face on. Yeah, that's it. He doesn't even touch anyone. No. Um, He's kind of a observer in the back. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. So... Do you think that it, it was meant to be possibly longer? Maybe two issues and they, they said, we need to reduce it because they could have had could this be. whole story arc. Um, and then we're like, well, then the beasts come out, then there's a big fight. Yeah. But then in the process of, you know, we need money, we need issues. It could be that. They've had to mash them together. Mantlo, as a writer, seems to want to cover a lot of ground. So he really wants right. to just get through stuff. Yeah. So um, where sometimes he doesn't do the characters as much service as he could through dialogue and stuff like that, he does keep everything moving yeah. constantly. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, and especially during his run, it's very rare that by the end of the comic there hasn't been a substantial change in the formation of the team. Yeah. So someone will have left, or someone will be a lady where they were a man, or somebody will be dead, or, yeah, they'll always be, or someone's just left, or yeah. someone's joined, or someone's changed their abilities, or just something. And do you think that that's possibly why Alpha Flight as it was didn't exist for much longer it because carried... to me when, when, when things start getting changed that yeah. much you, you're at risk of alienating your audience yeah it's it carried on for the, so this is volume one it carried on for another hundred or so issues after this oh, so right, it carried oh. on for a long time okay. into the 90s and then it re- was rebooted three times yeah. with specials in between so it's weird that they, Alpha Flight has got diehard fans um, who, are, like me, sort of like the fact that it isn't, doesn't constantly revert back to status quo, mm. um, which the X-Men was guilty of for a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But at the same time, it's never really 
it needs the right writer to carry it through. Yeah. And other, in so far from what I've read, and I haven't read all of it, uh, John Byrne, who didn't want to write it, did the best job. <laughs> Bill Mantlo did the next best job. Yeah. And then it sort of has been mishandled a little since then. Right. But I'm sure there are people who disagree with me. Um, I haven't read any of Greg Pak's work on it, so he's done quite a lot. But um, Scott Lobdell, who's famous for basically writing the X-Men in the 90s, mm. did a lot. And I don't really like what he did with them. And have you... Because, you know, I sent you that um, tweet with the um, Captain Marvel and yes. Alpha Flight. I haven't read any of that yet either. No, so I'll, I'll be, I'm intrigued now after reading this yeah. to see... A, what the makeup of the team is, like yeah. what's happened, whether they've rebooted it, or I don't really know. Yeah. Um, and so do they, do they do they come across the past with Captain Marvel quite a lot in the 90s? or? I don't think so. No. She doesn't feature in... Know. It was a different Captain Marvel at this time anyway. So yes, Captain yeah. Marvel, that uh, who's... It's, um, what's her name? Carol Danvers, isn't it? Mm. If, I don't know. I just I think it is. Um, but she was sort of in the Avengers and the X-Men, but she didn't cross into Alpha Flight very much. Right. Uh, I'm trying to think now who did cross over. So Alpha Flight would appear in other people's comics a little bit, like two or three of them. Sasquatch yeah. turns up everywhere because everybody loves Sasquatch as a character. <laughs> um, because it's that sort of people like certain types of comics fans like certain types of characters. Yes. And they like to have conversations like, who would win in a fight between... The Hulk and Sasquatch. That's it, yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and so Sasquatch would turn up in Hulk comics and they'd have a fight. Yeah. Or he'd turn up... uh, There's a really good um, Marvel 2-in-1 where uh, him and Thing have a fight. For no reason, other than they both turn up. (laughs) They're like, how dare you turn up? They just have a massive old fight. Um... Yeah, but I, I don't think until that thing... Because she takes them into space. Yes. Which I haven't read yeah. and I need to read. Yeah, but. if anyone has read it, get yeah. in touch with us. Let us know uh, kind of what you thought well, about it. Well, I've been um, reliably informed by uh, Phil, who runs alphaflight.net, yeah. that it's worth reading. Oh, OK, good. So. Well, I'll keep it aside for you at the library. <laughs> um, As I said, I've got to pay my library fines first, yes. which are <laughs> monumental. You need so. to do that anyway. <laughs> um, um, yeah. OK, well, thank you very much for more than welcome. talking about this. Yeah. If people want to find you or anything else, yes. where can they do that? Um, so, obviously, you can find me on Twitter. The link will be in the description for this podcast. Um, also, we're going to put in the link to Shoe Lane Library. Um, so my comic forum runs uh, monthly. It's the first Tuesday of every month, um, and that's 5.30 till 7. Um, but then we go after the pub after that. So if that's too early, you can just come and join us at the pub. We have lots of chat after that. Uh, very informal group. Um, we chat about what we've been reading. We usually have a topic of the month. Um, we kind of tend to go off on strange um, angles and talk about everything under the sun. Um, but it's always a good laugh, and there's biscuits as well, so win-win. Yep. Um, so feel free to come along and check it out if you want to. Um, so head to the website um, or find Shoe Lane Library on Facebook. There's all the links on there. Okay, thank you very much. Um, if anybody would like to find... No, hang on, what should I do first? I'll do the... Please give me a five-star review and subscribe on iTunes. So always forget to do that. Um, I should also thank 
the um, small but hardy group of people who actually listen to the podcast. Um, there's about 50 people who listen constantly, which is not constantly. Jesus, that would be depressing. But consistently. <laughs> your voice on loop. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, uh, so thank you. Uh, it's, it's nice that people care enough to press play um, while they do something else. Um, yeah, if anybody wants to find me on the internet, I'm Gareth A. Hopkins at G-R-T-H-I-N-K on Twitter and Instagram and currently Facebook.com forward slash Gareth but I might deactivate that. That seems to be the cool thing to do now, deactivate yeah. his profiles on Facebook. Just get off Facebook. Because nobody goes on them anyway. And yeah, that's it. Thank you very much for joining me uh, and uh, Laura. <laughs> well done. <laughs> <laughs> on this episode of Alpha Podfight. And goodbye. Bye bye. Right.